Biggest flops are your greatest hits. The game's mine again, and ain't nothing changed but the lock. So before I slay this bitch, I'm gonna give Jay the kiss. Mm. Mm. It feels good. It feels so good to be back. You know, sometimes when I not necessarily leave or go for a break, just, you know, just take a day off. It feels like it feels like I'm gone for a very long period of time. It feels like I'm gone for weeks, months, days even. It's weird. It's can you unpause my music? Gotta wake up labor day today. Ladies and gentlemen, oh baby, I'm 24. This is my podcast. 24's podcast, best video gaming sports podcast on the entire internet. Why did my music stop playing? This is it, as big as you're gonna get, so enjoy it. Great one today, talking about Carolina. Getting Sam Darnold. What that means for the league, what that means for the Jets. Why did you stop playing my music? Also, the Jets potentially getting Zach Wilson. Among other things, draft-related as well, we're going to be talking about Kansas City. We're going to be talking about a lot of football here, ladies and gentlemen. Can't wait to get into it right here. One of yours, bitch, get off me. You dance around it like a sombrero. We can all see your fucking salty because young Gerald's balls deep inside a Halsey. Your red sweater, your black leather. Oh, this is the best part of the song. I can't figure it out. Better that a death threater. A love letter, little white toothpick thinks it's over a pick. I just don't like you, prick. Thanks for dissing me. Now I had an excuse on the mic to write, not a light, but really I don't care who's in the right, but you're losing the fight you pick. Oh, oh. oh my goodness. Eminem coming in with fresh hot bars three years ago. Those bars are still so hot. My goodness, it's like they were formed in the sun. Still hot, still, still simmering. Oh, baby. Baby, oh, baby, oh, baby. So, let's get into, uh, let's, just, let's just get into it, right? No delay, all gas, no brakes. As I move my microphone cable around, all gas, no brakes. So, when it comes to this topic, so, today, I'm watching the NFL Network, I get an alert. Breaking news, breaking news alert. The Carolina Panthers have decided to trade away, trade, excuse me, for Sam Darnold. And specifically, they traded away, I think, I have the the actual deal in my journal. Why am I trying to, to freaking go off, off the top of my head? Literally, I have, I literally, I spent time writing it down. What did they give up, 24? What did they give up? They gave up. They gave up a sixth rounder this year, a second next year, and a fourth in 2022. Now, instant reactions. Uh, the Jets won this deal. Simply put, they won it. Uh, I'm. I like. I've, I. I. I don't believe in Sam Darnold at all. I think the Carolina Panthers were gunning for Deshaun Watson, but they settled for Sam Darnold, very similarly to what the Bears did with Russell Wilson, how they were gunning for Russell Wilson, but they got Andy Dalton. The Carolina Panthers, they sent a very, very large trade package for Deshaun Watson to the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, they turned it down. They said, eh, you know, uh, we don't want to get any trades. We don't want to get any, you know, any any compensation for Deshaun Watson. Their plan is working very, very well when it comes to Deshaun Watson and his, you know, allegations and, you know, sexual assault, sexual assault allegations and things of that nature. It's going very well. Carolina has moved on. They've pivoted to get Sam Darnold. And once again, they lost that deal. They lost it. I'm not a big Sam Darnold guy. I've been on record. I think he's a bust. I think he's overrated. I think way too many people are in on him when he hasn't shown them anything. And it's essentially just a belief from the crowd that supports him that he will essentially get back to, I mean, what he wasn't in college. Because what he wasn't in college is essentially what what he is now. I mean, what he is now is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. What he was in college was like 
an okay quarterback on a USC team. Let's just be honest. Ronald Jones was a better football player and is a better football player. Let's just be honest about it. So I think Carolina gave up way too much to begin with for Sam Darnold. The fact that they gave up a second rounder, I believe I believe the Jets, weren't they asking exclusively for like a third round pick? It's like, how did you give up a second, a fourth, and a sixth? I, like, I, I don't get it. It's weird to me. As I look around and I'm like, we're, like, you guys gave up way too much. Well, not money, but just picks. It's very, very weird. But have the Panthers gotten their future at quarterback? No. Should they still draft a quarterback at number eight? Absolutely. The only thing, the only difference to me uh, between now and yesterday is essentially they have another quarterback in the room that can maybe, maybe not, probably not start for them as it pertains to the Carolina Panthers. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, without, you know, Sean Payton and the Saints, he's a shell of him for himself, his former self. And I don't think Arthur Smith can make him any better than, not Arthur Smith, but Matt Rule can make him any better than he already is. By the way, jury is very, 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 very out. Still out on on freaking, what's his name? Matt Rule. I'm not sure what he is as a head coach. We'll see in about half a year to eight months at the end of the regular season. We'll see once again. We'll, We'll see what he can do. As a football player or as a football coach, Matt Rule. But now he's got two quarterbacks in the room. Both of them, I don't think, are starters. I think they're going to take another quarterback, potentially at number eight. Who is it? I'm not really sure. But now they have a little bit more quarterback competition in the locker room, in the quarterback room. I don't like to trade at all for them, but it's like, hey, if you wanted this, you got it. Again, they had to settle. They didn't want this. They wanted an actual starter. They didn't want a question mark. They got a question mark. The Jets, on the other hand, far better position than the Carolina Panthers. First and foremost, there's no controversy. There is only you getting Zach Wilson now. There's no, well, maybe we could get somebody else. Maybe we maybe, maybe we would get an offensive weapon for Sam Darnold. There is none of that. There is, you're drafting a quarterback, number two overall, and that quarterback is Zach Wilson. And I kind of talked about it when San Francisco made their big trade going up from 12th to number three overall. I said they're drafting a quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. They're not getting another offensive lineman. They gave away too many picks to get an offensive lineman. They're getting a quarterback. Same thing goes with the Jets. They're not trading away their only starting quarterback, semi-starting quarterback, and Sam Darnold for a scrub. Maybe not a scrub, but, you know, an offensive lineman. They're going to get Zach Wilson. Period. End of story. And Matt, now I was about to say Matt Rule, excuse me, Robert Sala is now dancing with the Jets, because now he also has some dra- some um, some trade compensation for Sam Darnold. It's not what you would want if you're a Jets fan and you thought you were going to get a first round draft pick for Sam for Sam Darnold. <laughs> you're ridiculous. However, I'm pleasantly surprised that they were able to snag a second from the gullible and dilapidated Carolina Panthers. But the Jets. They now go into this season with a first. They now go into second season with a, with two seconds and multiple other picks from Seattle because, remember, they have the Jamal Adams trade, right? So they got Jamal Adams, or they traded away Jamal Adams. I think they have – what was it? They traded away. They traded him away, I think, in the summer. So they have this year's first and next year's first. They got two first-rounders in the next two drafts, ladies and gentlemen. The Jets are in perfect position to build around Zach Wilson. They could even potentially draft another offensive lineman as well as having Mekhi Becton there for the Jets as well. This all falls very well for the Jets. If you're a Jets fan, you should be ecstatic. Got rid of, you got out from under Sam Donald. Thank God. You still have Denzel Mims. I really like him. I like him a lot. About to get another quarterback, Zach Wilson. Best quarterback, in my opinion, in the draft. Jags are going to get Trevor. Jets are going to get um, uh, Zach Wilson. And then you're probably going to get some other offensive player later on in the draft. Potentially maybe another defensive player. Like, for example, a Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa to pair with C.J. Mosley to rebuild that terribly dilapidated defense. A lot of options for the Jets. 
And then on top of that, still got a lot of money in free agency. I don't know if they can spend it wisely and properly. It's like giving a poor man a million dollars. It's like he may buy a Lamborghini. He may buy a mansion. He probably won't buy an accountant to help him spend his money and to divest and invest his million dollars. I don't know. Not sure. I'm not a poor guy, but a homeless guy. He may buy a bunch of drugs with that million dollars. I'm not sure. Or he may spend money on an accountant, an accountant, build up a stock portfolio, an investment portfolio, invest in land, prime real estate. Maybe it turns into something else, makes more money, makes a million. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know. But most, most of the time, I, I don't know. But I would assume the Jets, they don't necessarily know what to do with their money. Otherwise, they would have done something by now. But they still have enough money regardless. And when you get Zach Wilson, and Zach Wilson plays in a pretty claustrophobic division, that division has gotten real difficult really fast. They make the proper decision-making, ladies and gentlemen. Robert Sala is as good as we think he is, if he's as good as we think he is. Sala plus Zach Wilson, plus some of the guys from the Shanahan offense to bring in that offense up in a New York, helping out their quarterback, helping out Salah. I mean, boy, howdy, do you have a very, very good football team on your hands with the New York Jets in a very, very strong division. There's a lot of strong divisions in in the AFC, and it's only going to get stronger, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, you got the AFC North with Pittsburgh, Baltimore, the Browns, and the Bengals. Don't sleep on the Bengals. The Bengals have been making a lot of great moves this offseason, ladies and gentlemen. With the acquisition acquisition, excuse me, of one of my favorite underrated pass rushers in the NFL and Trey Hendrickson. I wasn't a big fan of Cheeto getting, get, uh, going there, but they got Trey Hendrickson. They got Logan Wilson. They got a, a couple more guys. They got a lot of guys down there in Cincinnati. Then Joe Burrow's coming back, and then they get him another offensive lineman in Panea Sewell. And then also with the Patriots, not with the Patriots, with the AFC East, you got the Patriots revival. You got the Dolphins with Tua being a 10-win team missing out on the playoffs. That, that's going to that's gonna change real quick. You got the Patriots once again. The Jets now potentially with Zach Wilson and some more offensive line help. And then on top of that, you also got the division winner, Played up against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game and the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we're talking. And then you also got down in the AFC South, the Colts maybe. I mean, the Colts, they just have a good roster. They don't have a good quarterback. Titans, obviously. Jags as well. Houston, dumpster fire. I mean, some of these divisions have two to three teams that could easily go to the playoffs in any given year. And this is... Once again, forgetting about the AFC West with Kansas City and Justin Herbert down in Los Angeles. I mean, it's going to be a very, very difficult year. Very, very difficult couple of years for teams that got to play in the AFC because it's absolutely fully loaded. But yes, circling all the way back to the Jets. The Jets are in prime position. To once again, once again, take the best quarterback, in my opinion, in the draft and build around him with a very, very, you know, young and up and coming coaching staff that was taken from the Shanahan offense and plugged in to the Jets with a up and coming head coach and Robert Sala. Joe Douglas has made some pretty fantastic moves for the New York football Jets. Robert Sala has made some pretty good moves as well. I like it a lot. They also forgot, I also forgot, they got that guy, interior defensive tackle, Quentin Williams. Hasn't really showed up. He could potentially have a big blockbuster year. Remember him? Remember him, big Quentin Williams? Remember that guy? I think he's going to have a big year with Robert Sala as his defensive coordinator. Telling you, man. Jets may not be a laughing stock. For long, they may be back in it. Cannot wait to see Zach Wilson play this year. I'm actually going to watch like a Jets game and not be like bored out of my mind and be like, oh my God, Sam Darnold sucks. It's like, oh my gosh, Zach Wilson is way better. 
way better. Once again, great job by the Jets getting rid of Sam Darnold, positioning themselves to get Zach Wilson. And God help you. I mean, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, if the Jets, they don't get Trevor Lawrence, if they get Zach Wilson instead, then oh my gosh, the Jets get Trevor Lawrence. How do you like them apples? I wrote it down in my journal today. I was like, I think the first five picks are already done. We're about 24 days. Shout out to me, 24. <laughs> I'm like, shout out to me, 24. We're about 24 days, 24 days out from the draft. About three weeks, a little bit over. From the draft, a little bit under a month away, and I'm already coming out with another hot prediction. I've been coming out with hot predictions, hot takes last couple weeks. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you something right now. I'm gonna tell you the first five draft picks in this year's draft. Want to know them? I got them written down. I would bet an obscene amount of money. If you told me 24, I'm gonna give you a million dollars right now. Gonna give you a million dollars right now. You can make two million. You can make four million actually. You put some money on how much you you are you sure about what you are you sure about your picks? Your top five picks in this year's draft twenty-four. You put down a million dollars that you don't own on these top five picks. I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take half that million. I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna give it to my account, I'm gonna tell my account, hey man, invest. In my stock portfolio, my stocks are doing very good. Buy me some land. Put it, put a percentage away for a rainy day. Rainy day fund. I'm very smart with money. And then invest the other, not invest, bet the other half, the other half a million on these five picks. I guarantee these five picks are going to happen. I'd be shocked if they didn't. In this order, by the way. Nope, not going to guarantee it. I just realized how stupid that was. These are the top five picks that I think should happen for these respective football teams. Unless Atlanta screws it up for me and drafts somebody else. Here we go. Obviously, the Jags are going to get Trevor Lawrence at number one. That's very easy. Easy. Then you got at number two, Zach Wilson going to the New York football Jets. I mean, that, that's very obvious. Number three, the San Francisco 49ers traded all the way up to get Matt Jones from 12. 2-3 overall easy money, easiest money that they've made. And they're going to probably plop him behind Jimmy Garoppolo until maybe halfway through the season, whether he just falls off a cliff play-wise and or Mac Jones performs better than him. Jimmy Garoppolo may not start. He may not start this season. It could be that. It could be. We wait a little bit to play Mac Jones. And then we start him. Fourth overall, this is, the, this is the pick that could screw it up. This is the team that could screw it all up. They could screw the pooch, all right? Atlanta drafts Justin Fields. I talked about it on Saturday. We'll talk about Justin Fields in a little bit. I talked about it on Saturday. I talked about it on Friday. We'll talk about it more on Monday. That is today. It's late Monday, early Tuesday. But I said, you know, Guy from Kennesaw, Georgia, went to Georgia, born and raised in the playground where I spent most of my days, went to Georgia, left Georgia, went to Ohio State, dominated the Big Ten, dominated Michigan, Michigan fans crying grown man tears, except this year because they didn't play him, dominated the Big Ten. That guy, Justin Fields, picture perfect, poetic justice to draft him. You don't think that the fine folks down in Atlanta wouldn't have preferred to draft Cam Newton if the Carolina Panthers didn't steal him, played at Auburn from Atlanta? Everybody's talking to you know Cam, and everybody loves Cam, has businesses in Atlanta. Everybody loves him down in Carolina. You don't think Atlanta would have loved to draft Cam Newton? Now you got Atlanta potentially getting the next great quarterback. Can't pass up on him. Hey, guys, have you taken a look around? Take a look. Take a swivel with me. Look around 
college football. There's really only one guy that I like in college that's coming out in the next couple of years. His name is Spencer Rattler. And I don't think he should come out next year. I think he should take one more year. I think he should play full, three, excuse me, four years in college to make sure he's ready to play the sport of football at the professional level. And I think he will. I think Lincoln Riley will get him right. I think he'll get him right and get him better than Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to come out and be better than all three of them. Significantly so. I mean, hell, he's in my opinion, he's already better than Jalen was in, in college. But when you look around college football, I see no quarterbacks that I would love to take. The guys from Alabama and Clemson, those dynasties, it's like I don't really know if they're if they're any good. But, I mean, I saw Uyongle for a couple of games. I was like, he's got some work to do. But he'll get there. He'll get right. It's like he's not coming out. He shouldn't come out for the next until he, he hits his third year playing and starting. Not playing, starting. Point is, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to these football players in college, there's really one guy that I really like coming out of Oklahoma that I think could be something special. By the way, Dark Horse, national championship competitor slash winner, Oklahoma this year. I, I actually have them going to the national championship and potentially winning it. We'll see. But it's like Spencer Rattler is the only guy that I feel strong and confident about. And then more importantly than that, there's really nobody else there. So if you're Atlanta and if everything is showing you that Matt Ryan is on a steep decline with Calvin Ridley having 1,300 bleeping yards and like nine touchdowns, I looked up his statistics today and I was like, holy fucking shit. Calvin Ridley was popping off this season. But he played for Atlanta and nobody cared. And then it's like Julio Jones is still there and Gage is still there. It's like, wait a second, how much help does Matty Ice need? He's going to play in a division for the first time in 20-plus years without the Hall of Famer, the indomitable Drew Brees. And Carolina is still terrible, potentially. It's like, for me, I'm, I'm like, if I'm, if I'm Atlanta, I'm like, listen, Tom Brady's about to retire. The Saints are in, are in flux. They just lost Trey Hendrickson. You know what I'm doing if I'm Atlanta? I'm taking Justin Fields at number four overall. But will they do it? I don't know. Atlanta tends to do some pretty stupid stuff. But it's like, guy from Kennesaw, born and raised in Georgia, played at Ohio State, excelled at Ohio State more on Justin Fields in a minute. But if you were to tell me that I'm taking Justin Fields at fourth overall for Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons, oh my God, poetic justice. But more importantly than that, if you told me 24, 24, that same Georgia bred kid would then go on to Carolina and have an ecstatic career, I think the city of Atlanta would be done with that football team. You may have to move. Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons from the city of Atlanta. You may have to do that. If you do that and you see not one, but two quarterbacks from Atlanta or from Georgia go on to the South Carolina Panthers and do awesome stuff in South Carolina while you as the Georgia Atlanta Falcons can't get one of your guys to get home because you passed up on, you didn't pass up on Cam. Cam went number one, but then Justin Fields went number eight overall. You had a chance at number four to get Justin Fields. The Migos are playing at halftime for Atlanta Falcons and Atlanta Hawks games. They still can't put butts in seats. You know how to put butts in seats? You go out and you get Justin Fields, and you put his butt in an Atlanta Falcons jersey. Just a suggestion. Light suggested. Don't have to do it. Don't have to follow my advice. What do I know? Just a guy that has chronicled the failures of the Atlanta Falcons for half a half a decade, starting with the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. So moving back and moving, not moving back, but going back to what I was talking about. Originally with the top five picks. Again, we have Ty Trevor Lawrence going to the Jags. Zach Wilson going to the Jets. 
Mac Jones going to the 49ers. The uh, the Justin Justin Fields, excuse me, going fourth overall to Atlanta. If they were smart, they would do it. They're probably not. They're probably going to move on from Justin Fields and let him fall to the Carolina Panthers. Then fifth overall, I think Panea Sewell, it's already a lock-in at number five to the Cincinnati Bengals. As much as I would love for them to get an, an offensive weapon to help out my guy, Joey Burrow. As much as I would love that. Love, love it for them to help him out. I also think to myself, I'm like, you know what they're probably thinking? They're probably thinking, you know what, guys? Uh, he kind of got hurt last year. Our offensive line kind of sucks. May need to help him out. Help him out just a little bit. Let's get him an offensive line. Got him some nice running backs. Let's get him an offensive lineman. One of the best coming out of college in the last couple of years. Let's go out and help him out just a little bit. So you do help him out. You do get him an offensive line. You do get him, you know, some help on the interior and on the exterior. Because I have no idea who his tackles are, if I'm 100% honest with you. I'm like, but I know who Panea Sewell is. He's one of the best. He's the best uh, offensive lineman coming out of this year's draft. That's who Panea Sewell is. I don't know who your guys are. I know that that's, but I know who Panea Sewell is, and that's one of my guys. Once again, suggestion. Probably won't happen. But yeah, I, I would. I would bet a large sum of money at least four of the five picks go that way. Maybe not Atlanta because Atlanta is kind of ridiculous. But, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Padilla Sewell. All being taken within the first five picks. Let me talk about Justin Fields for a couple minutes because, you know, there's been – <clears throat> there's been a storyline with Dan Orlovsky coming out and saying, you know, uh, from a, uh, I found the clip, it wasn't very hard, but it's kind of buried. You know, clip of him saying, I just, you know, Justin Fields, he isn't, you know, he's he's not a, he's not a guy that really, you know, practices and he doesn't really work hard according to a, uh, to a scout. We'll play it for you. But to preference it, once again, I think Justin Fields is the fourth best quarterback in this year's draft. I think so. I stuck. I'm sticking to my guns. I'm, I think he's the fourth best quarterback this year's draft. Some people are gonna say that's too low. That's too low. I'm like Justin Fields to me should be played or not played, but drafted in the top four. Like some people are like. You know, it, it's it's the Ricky Bobby mentality. If you're not first, you're last. And it's like, no, not really. It's like, no, not really. You're not the... What's what's the phrase that they give to the last draft pick in the NFL draft? Not the unrecognizable man. Mr. Irrelevant. That's what they call him. Because usually he doesn't even make the team. It's like Justin Fields isn't Mr. Irrelevant. He's going in the top five, top four. To me, at least. He should. He's a top four, you know, draft pick in this year's draft. Some people have prospects. Some people are like, this prospect is better than this prospect. I'm like, I, like I'm, I'm just like, you know what? If I was the Falcons, I would take him at fourth overall, and I wouldn't even blink twice about it, and I would be like, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. Matt Ryan is on the decline, and we may want to start over again. He's going to get into the league, and, he's, and he should go to a good football team. We'll see. If he falls, he falls, and it's like, hey, man, a good team like the Patriots will potentially sweep him up, and I'll be like, thank you. Please come again. We'll take him. New England will take him. We'll take him. Bring him down to Bell Belichick, and we'll take him. But, you know, people freak out. People... They don't understand nuance. They don't understand context. It's like, you know, I'm super high on Justin Fields. I think he has problems. I, I talked about it. I'm like, the reason why to me, in, in the simplest of terms, the reason why to me Justin Fields is lower on the totem pole, and I've been at it for months. I've been consistent about it. The only guy that I haven't been consistent on is Zach Wilson. That's the only guy that I'm consistent on, that I haven't been consistent on. I'd put him, I put him as my best quarterback because I saw his pro day, and then I went back to watch his games. 
and then I saw Chris Sims, and be- actually before I saw Chris Sims, he talked about putting on Zach Wilson, and I was like, if Chris Sims says something, it's usually so usually something I should look into, and I looked into it, and I was like, yeah, he's right about Zach Wilson. He's my number one overall quarterback. Then it's Trevor Lawrence, then it's Mac Jones, and then it's Justin Fields. And Justin Fields, the reason why he's not my number one quarterback, the reason why he's not my number two or number three, guys, I don't think he's pro-ready. I think he needs to learn the offense that they're going to be running in whatever team he's going to be running, and he's going to really struggle in his first year. I don't think Mac Jones is going to struggle the way that Justin Fields is going to struggle. I don't think Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson is going to struggle. He's got the talent, but I don't think he has the experience yet. And more importantly than that, we're running a pro offense down in Ohio State. It was a whole lot of one-read concepts. I saw some games of his once again today. People were like, I remember because Dan Orlovsky showed one play against, I think, Rutgers or some, something like that, some team that he showed like one play. And I was like, dude, that's one play in one game. He broke down one play for seven minutes. I'm like, you don't have any more plays, bro? You got to get more plays, bro. You got to watch more tape, bro. But as it pertains to Justin Fields, I'm extremely high on him. But he has a lot of pros, but not a lot of cons. We're dealing with inches, not miles here. And, you know, like, to be honest with you, if you had told me that Justin Fields could process information right now better, maybe not as high as or as um, as great as Mac Jones. I think he's the best processor of information. If you told me he's, he's better at processing information, I think I would have to, I think there would actually be a, a, a lively debate on if Justin Fields is better than Trevor Lawrence or not. Because he has the talent. He does. It's not the talent that he's lacking. It's, you know, the uh, the tightness of his game. I don't know what to call it. It's just some things he kind of plays loose with. Some things he just needs to tighten up. That's the reality. He's just not a pro yet. He's not a pro quarterback. I would love to see him when he is. That's the context that I have with Justin Fields. I think he's one of the best. I've been Listen, some people are going to say 24. You're not consistent on it. I sure damn sure am. After the Northwestern game, you can go back and look it up. I said, Justin Fields had a bad game. He had a bad day. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Everybody was freaking out about him. Everybody was like, is Justin Fields? Is he, is he, what's going on with Justin Fields? I was like, he had a bad game. It happens. It happens in college just as it happens in the pro scene. Do you want to know how he responded? He went out and he responded with a six-touchdown day against Clemson. I said, I think the Alabama game was overrated. I don't think he played very good. But the Clemson game going head-to-head against Trevor Lawrence is all I needed to see. I'm like, all right, yeah, he's a first-rounder, obviously. He was a first-rounder already. I felt very highly on him, but he has his cons. But did I think that he wasn't a hard worker? Absolutely not. Did I think that he had problems off the field? Absolutely not. The fact that I have to sit here, technically stand here, and address these issues coming out of the corner of a media member that I don't trust at all. I didn't trust going in. I didn't trust his ability to break down film and tape. I thought when he broke down Carson Wentz's film and tape, I thought he was being significantly disingenuous. I felt like he was warping the truth. I felt like he was building up a narrative to support Carson Wentz. I didn't think he actually broke it down. I thought he actually did a terrible job of it. Dan Orlovsky. I didn't trust him before. I very rarely listened to anything that he had to say. I didn't listen to the majority of anything that he was, uh, any shows. This is a quote from the McAfee show. Even when he was on the McAfee show, I was like, I'm not listening to it. I just don't trust him. This goes further on to explain why I don't trust Dan Orlovsky. And some people are like, he's a young analyst. This should have been his final time as an analyst. His final job as an analyst, in my opinion. What analysis is this? What is this? I don't get it. 
Let me pull up the clip for you. There we go. Let me play you a little bit of the moron Dan Orlovsky on the absolute great and indomitable uh, Pat, McAfee, uh, Pat McAfee show. Hold on, let me play it. I'm also going to change out the DVD because Parks and Rec is over with. I'll let you listen to it. The, the Justin Fields thing, and because I've made a couple calls about this, like why Justin Fields, why is he falling this and that? And I can just share these are not my opinions. These are the things that have shared been shared with me. Okay, smart. Um, one, I have heard that he is a last guy in, first guy out type of quarterback. Like, not oh. the maniacal work oh, ethic. No, I've no. even heard it compared to Justin Herbert, where it was like, dude, when Justin Herbert showed up, it was like a psychopath when it came to working to get ready for the draft or, or even at school. Like, give me more. I want to work nonstop. And I've heard that there are some questions with Justin Fields' work ethic, okay? And then the second thing is, like, um, how, how, like, how do I phrase this the right way? Like, how, where is his desire to go be a great quarterback? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that there is a desire to be a big-time athlete um, from what is expressed in you. Where is his desire to go be a great quarterback? And to be great, you got to be willing to find the things that you're not not good at and just freaking grind on them. who's telling you this stuff pretty high up people yeah yeah people that are going to be at least um uh, associated with decision making that's fat because they who they're getting that information from somebody within ohio state yeah, right yeah. who's telling that and it's like okay who's who's leaking that information how's that whole thing go yeah. wanted to pause right there because i think pat said something pretty ingenious talking about how the how somebody from inside Ohio State was leaking the information. Let's listen to the head coach, shall we? From Ohio State. Best guy to listen to about this type of stuff, right? Let's see what he has to say about Justin Fields and his work ethic. All I know about Justin Fields is he's been one of the hardest working guys. He's one of the most competitively tough guys. And when he sets his mind to something, he gets it done. So there's a lot of talk out there, and I guess maybe they think they know him better than I do, but I know this. Whoever's going to draft Justin Fields is going to get a great player and a great person, and when he sets his mind to something, he gets it done. And, uh, and, I, and I just I think the world of him, and I'm just upset that some people would say that about him. The crazy thing about Justin, it didn't bother him when I talked to him about it. He said, let the people talk, because he knows eventually someone's going to draft him, and he's going to have to go play. And all the talk goes away, and then you just go you know, prove it on the field. So that's what I have to say about that. That was Ryan Day, the Ohio State head coach. I would assume he knows Justin Fields pretty well. Wasn't an Ohio State decision maker, by the way. Anyone from, with half a brain from Ohio State would never say any, any foolishness like that. It's coming from, from some dumbass scout, some dumbass executive who I don't trust. What do I always say, ladies and gentlemen? I always say, listen, man. In the month of March and April, when free agency and the draft is kind of rolled around, the one thing that teams will do is put out false information to kind of keep teams off their trails, right? So in this case, Dan Orlovsky probably got a bad batch of information from some jackass questioning Justin Fields' work ethic, which is a joke if you watch him. The fact that Dan Orlovsky supposedly watches hours upon hours of film and tape and he couldn't come to the same conclusion that I did where he's like, wait a second, um, Justin Fields works pretty damn hard at his craft. It's really, really hard to beat Clemson. It's really, really hard to play for Ohio State. You can kind of tell when a guy is kind of BSing and going through the motions. Justin Fields kind of isn't one of those guys isn't, excuse me, one of those guys. You can tell that. It's pretty easy, pretty simplistic. It's pretty obvious. So either Dan Orlovsky trusted a liar and a degenerate, or he trusted an idiot who doesn't know what he's seeing. And the fact that Dan Orlovsky was like, that's stupid. I'm not running with that. I'm my own man. I'm my own person. I didn't have to run that shit. The fact that he just said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to report that because that's dumb. Says a lot about who he is as a person. Because he wanted some clickbait. He wanted some 
He wanted some attention. Well, he got it. He got it. And he looked like an absolute moron on national television. As he should. Because he said something moronic. He said something stupid. And he said something that, quite frankly put, was an embarrassment on epic pro- for, in epic proportions for Dan Olofsky. It was a joke. But he also said something interesting. And this tells me a lot about who the information and what the information is and where it's coming from. Let me play you the clip again. It's at the end. Associated with decision-making. That's Pardon. Let me back it up just a little bit more. And to be great, you got to be willing to find the things that you're not, not good at and just freaking grind on them. Who's- Watch the next part. Listen to the next part very, very carefully. Telling you this stuff, pretty high up people, yeah? Yeah, people that are going to be at least um, uh, associated with decision-making. That's Pat, ask a question. Who are you getting this information from? Dan Orlovsky's quote was once again. That are going to be at least... Um, um, Sorry, let me go back a little bit more. Pretty high up people, yeah? Yeah, people that are going to be at least um, uh, associated with decision-making. People that are going to be associated with decision-making. People that are going to be. Not are. People that are going to be associated with decision-making. What the hell does that mean? Let me get this straight, Dan. You based off, you based a stupid ass quote from somebody who is going to be associated with decision making? They aren't already? Does that mean that they are potentially in the running for being a GM, a executive? somebody of importance within an organization. Does that mean that they are going to be, or does that mean that they are an executive, a high-ranking executive? What does that mean? They are going to be? When are they going to be in a position of power within an organization? Are you just getting it from one of your scout buddies in Detroit? Because Detroit stinks. They've always stunk up the joint with the Fords. Are you getting it from one of the other teams? From one of the other many teams that you've been on. This is my problem. When somebody doesn't have the cojones, when they don't have the gall, when they don't have the balls to put their name on something and they got to hide behind an anonymous description, that's when I say, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't trust it already. Because if a GM, a head coach, an executive actually believes what they're saying, They'll say it with their chest. Kind of what I'm doing right now. They won't hide behind anonymity. And usually the best GMs, the best coaches, they usually won't be the the, the anonymous guys. They won't be the anonymous sources. They won't really even talk to the media. They'll be like, you guys figure it out. My job's to win football games. Your job's to create stories about me winning football games. You think Bill Belichick concerns himself with what's going on on Twitter. He calls it Insta-snap. He doesn't know what Twitter is. He hates social media. But Dan Orlovsky over here, genius Dan Orlovsky, associates himself with people who he probably thinks are going to be associated with decision-making. Instead of people who actually are associated with decision-making. Hmm. Hmm. Once again, one of the many, many reasons why I don't follow Dan Orlovsky, why I don't listen to Dan Orlovsky, I think he's disingenuous, I think he's after a headline. I think he's after a story. I think he doesn't care who he goes after, what he goes after. I think he's only interested in pushing his ridiculous narratives. It's why I, once again, 
I, I could probably make a full, I could make my whole podcast about deconstructing the stupid things that he says on a weekly basis. But to be honest with you, it would get boring pretty quickly because you realize that he says a whole bunch of stupid stuff. It is what it is. I don't concern myself with mice. The lion in the fucking African Serengeti doesn't concern himself with mice. I have bigger animals to fucking murder. I have elephants. I have elephants. Good God. I have elephants to murder in the Serengeti. I don't concern myself with mice. I kill mice when I step through my through my kingdom my habitat he's got to watch out for me so no dan orlowski is not a good analyst he he's very bad he's very bad the only reason why i'm talking about this was because i was surprised at how much traction it got and i was surprised that people even believed it or made storylines out of it. I was like, it's Dan Orlovsky. He's kind of dumb. He thinks Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. So. That's kind of what I got to say on Dan Orlovsky. Absolute buffoon. I think the final thing that we'll talk about here today. We'll kind of finish off with, with, with you know. Again, I potted and planned out a lot of stuff. Kind of a. You know, a preface for tomorrow's podcast. We're going to be talking about, you know, Seattle as well and the Jamal Adams trade. But I want to talk about Kansas City for a couple of minutes. As I find my page with Kansas City notes written in it. Here we go. I prepared. I prepared. So Kansas City... Right now, is at a major crossroads. Kansas City is kind of like trying to figure out what can we do, right? After a Super Bowl loss. Oh, wait, Patrick Mahomes, he can bail us out. We don't really need to get more offensive linemen for Patrick Mahomes. We can kind of get rid of Eric Swartz. We can get rid of, uh, oh my God, Mitchell Swartz and Eric Fisher. We can kind of get rid of those. Uh, rid of those guys we don't really need those guys what we can do and what we should do is we should do whatever the hell they're doing right now i don't i don't really get it myself doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me whatever they're doing but it's not good that's obvious it is it is very bad actually what kansas city is doing first and foremost they signed joe tooney it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. It's it's a left guard. They didn't really need a left guard. They needed two tackles. They released their two tackles, and their left guard is now, I mean, Joe Tooney is one of the best left guards in the NFL, but at the same token, there is a stigma with Patriot offensive linemen and how they go from the Patriots to another football team and how they aren't very good on that other football team. Patriots former guard Joe Tooney is now a Kansas City Chief. Usually Bill Belichick doesn't really let go of guys that he knows that he can't replace, and he feels like he can replace Joe Tooney. Not to say that Joe Tooney with the Patriots was a bad player. He was one of the best, once again, guards in the NFL. Bill Belichick just does not believe that he needs to retain him. As I try to snuff out my candle. So Kansas City needed help with the offensive line. They needed to revamp it. They needed to make it better. On the flip side of that, what they also didn't do when helping out the offensive line was more importantly helping out the defense. Everybody kind of forgets about how bad Kansas City's defense is. Right? They don't really have a number one corner. They have Chris Jones. They have Frank Clark. They have Tyron Matthew. The guys that you know, but they don't really have, like, you know, their their pass rush sometimes is a little bit consistent. Reference the Tampa Bay game. 
Their secondary is kind of anemic. They constantly are trying to figure out guys to come in and plug and play. It's like at times they can give up big plays in the run. I mean, like Kansas City's defense is predicated off of the success of the offense. And if you're Kansas City and if you like, it's kind of like what happened against the Raiders. It's like, like, like they forced Kansas City to play a very, very one dimensional style of football. I talked about it when I was actually simulcasting it, when I was broadcasting it. I was like, they're kind of forcing Kansas City to play the way that Kansas City forces other teams to play. It's beating Kansas City at their own football game. But Kansas City now, Kansas City, I don't like it all. I mean, not like it all is a way strong is way too strong of a word, but I just don't like how they're going about this offseason specifically. It it does remind me a lot of what Seattle kind of did within the last ten years. Really. With Russell Wilson and how they kind of just were like, yeah, Russ, we'll just kind of let you do go off and do whatever you want to do. And we'll kind of just, you know, let the chips fall as they may be. Fall as they are, excuse me. We'll let all of your offensive linemen go and we'll sign all of our big defensive free agents. And we'll play football and that's the scheme, that's the plot and things of that nature. We won't try to help you when it comes to the offensive line. And you'll become one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. Because we think that you can run around and, and you know, and, and scramble and make plays. And we'll draft a forward out of Baylor to essentially play a, a position that he's never played before in college. And all that good stuff. I'm not even, it's not even inaccurate. They did draft a basketball player to play for him to be one of his offensive linemen. Sad, but very, very true. But the goal with Russell Wilson was essentially to say, hey, we got one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. We can be cheap when it comes to offensive line. And they haven't gone back to a championship game in seven years since they went to a championship game in 2014 and proceeded to lose the Super Bowl by not running the football on the one-yard line. So, I mean, Seattle, they're not wrong for trusting Russell Wilson. They're wrong for not providing him any help. And so is, not Seattle, so is Kansas City. They're wrong for not helping him out as a quarterback and not giving him an offensive line. It's why they lost the Super Bowl. It was one of the weirder things to have to watch this offseason. It's like Kansas City. You lost not because Mahomes needed a left guard. You lost because Mahomes needed two doggone tackles. What are you doing? You guys are in trouble. Your guy is running around throwing footballs while being parallel to the football field. You can't keep him literally upright. He's the opposite of upright. He's parallel to the ground. He's downright. He's on the ground. Help him out. Get him an offensive line. Because the reality is, that's why they were so successful for the last couple of years. Let me plug in my computer. It's all, it's almost out of battery. The reason why you guys sucked last year in the Super Bowl was because you couldn't protect them. You couldn't stop Jason Pierre, Paul, and Shaq Barrett from absolutely destroying whoever you sent out in the Super Bowl. He needs help. He's not. He, he, he plays a reliable position, but he plays it at the highest of levels. Why aren't you helping him out? I don't, I don't freaking understand it. it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it's like I look at the teams that they're going to be playing up against, and I'm going to be like, hold on a minute. This is the first time in a long time since the Patriots beat them in the AFC Championship game. I got a burp. <clears throat> Excuse me. First time since the 
AFC Championship game in, I believe, 2018, where the Patriots, not the Patriots, the Chiefs, they looked kind of vulnerable. And it's like, I mean, I don't, like, I don't get it. It's like the Chiefs, they're, they're, they're in a little bit of a weird spot. Because now everybody has the book on how to beat the Chiefs. Get after Mahomes. Keep everything in front of you. Let me sit down. I'm getting worked up and I'm getting tired and I'm exhausted. I went to bed, went to bed early last night. I've been up since 6 o'clock in the morning. I made sure I got a full night's sleep. Loved it. But now I'm just tired. I can sit down. It's like, you know, this this reminds me of the Philly. The Philly um Andy Reid, where Andy Reid was just making a whole bunch of ridiculous mistakes. And he would offset those ridiculous and and, and dumb deci- dumb decisions and mistakes with intelligent, informed you know, decisions. It was weird. It was weird, and it is weird. Because, I mean, it happened again. Because now it's like, I mean, look at what's going on. His two starting tackles, two of the best guys in the NFL are now gone. And it's just like, I don't, for what reason? I get it. They would have been, you know, really, really late coming back in the NFL season. But what I don't understand is why, like, they still haven't figured out they... Again, they still have not figured out who their starting left tackle is. I think they brought in somebody. But, I mean, who they brought in was essentially a backup. And then they got rid of their center. So now they now got to get another center. And the positions that they... I mean, I, I think Kansas City is in for a world of pain, misery, and suffering. And then meanwhile, it's like, look at what happened with Tampa. Look what happened. They brought back everybody besides Antonio Brown. They brought back Leonard Fournette. They brought back Tom and Gronk. They brought back Shaq Barrett. They even brought back uh, freaking uh, 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 Chris Godwin. They franchise tagged him. They got everybody. They got Levante David back. They got everybody besides Antonio Brown. And they don't need Antonio Brown because they can just run a two tight end set next year with Rob Gronkowski and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brake. They can be, and then they can get that guy Scotty Miller as well. It's like they don't need Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is icing on the proverbial cake. But then it's like I watch the Chiefs and I'm like, I'm sorry, I feel like their Super Bowl window, it's not closed, but it's it's closed. It's not closed completely. But you know how like a door is wide open sometimes? How you leave a door is wide open? I feel like the door is kind of starting to close for them. You know, it's like halfway closed. You know, it's like, you know, you can still get through the doorway, but you got to kind of like slide yourself in. You got to slide through. And the Chiefs, I, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't like their decisions. It just doesn't make any sense to me. They got to go up against so many different teams next year that are like, thank you for not getting Swartz and Fisher back. They got to go up against the Ravens. They got to go up against the Steelers, the Bills. They got to go up against all of these top tier, top flight NFL defenses with elite pass rushers on them. And they don't have. I mean, right now, they don't have starting centers, or not centers, but starting tackles on their team. And it's like, how are you going to help out Mahomes? Am I going to be saying, I would hate, I would hate if I if what I've been saying for like the last seven years, I'm like, help out Russell Wilson, if that's what I have to say about freaking Patrick Mahomes. Help out Patrick Mahomes. Get him an offensive weapon. When he had two offensive linemen. By the way, they're still available. I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas City finds a way to re-sign them as the season goes on, but it's like there's so many teams that they got to go up against, and I'm just like, dude, like, fuck. That's, it's so fucking difficult. And again, it's not to say that Kansas City will be a bad team, but I don't... 
Will, will they? Uh, short, sweet, and simple. I don't know if they'll make the Super Bowl this year. I I just don't know. Right now, I I I'm not leaning one way or another. Ask me after the draft, and ask me after a couple of their games, man. Because I just I just don't know. Whereas if you had asked me last year, hey, 24, do you think Kansas City's going to make it to the Super Bowl? I would have said, yeah. This year, I just, I just don't know. Final thing I'll talk about here today. And I kind of meant to end the podcast with Kansas City, and I just don't know. One thing I kind of will talk about is, Kind of going back to what we opened the show up with, Carolina and their new, you know, their kind of weird position with Sam Darnold and and uh, what's his name and Teddy Bridgewater. Listen, if who you want isn't there, like maybe not, maybe not isn't there, but like. I've kind of talked about Kyle Pitts and Dallas Cowboy fans have talked about Kyle Pitts a lot as well and things of that nature, potentially falling to Dallas as once again, five picks in my opinion are going to be offensive picks. The first five in my opinion are going to be offensive picks with the fifth being a tackle and the first four being quarterbacks. I think there's a huge chance that Dallas could potentially get Kyle Pitts. But I also think he could go to the Carolina Panthers at number eight overall. But I was watching Vosh Lombardi. I'm going to curl into my bed and go to sleep here another 20 to 30 minutes. It's like he was talking about how, you know, these guys, these offensive linemen for the Carolina Panthers, Cam Irving and George Little, guys that you've never heard of, probably, unless you're a Cowboy fan and you know Cam Irving. He was a swing tackle. Cam Irving, he's now a backup, and he's competing for a left starting job for the Carolina Panthers, a backup. Same thing goes with George Little, backup. He was talking about, he's like, you you think that the Panthers are going to get Kyle Pitts instead of a backup tackle? It's like, I don't know, it's pretty compelling. But also Peter King was talking about the draft, and he was saying, like, hey, guys, listen. Well, this draft is going to be one of the more interesting drafts because, you know, there are certain players that are on that are on people's pro day that they're not necessarily not pro day that are on their draft board that they're incredibly high on, and then there's other people that they're on other dra- people's draft boards that they're incredibly low on, and things of that nature. And I mean, people's draft boards are all over the freaking place, and it's like when you look at you know, the speculation with some people's draft boards. And I mean, like there's, there's players that could go everywhere, everywhere, man. In the first round and the second first rounders that could be going in the second round and third rounders. I mean, it's essentially what's going to happen or what has happened almost every single year in the draft, but even more compounded by the fact that, I mean, like teams already don't know necessarily know how to draft. But then worse yet, on top of teams not knowing how to draft, they then have kind of shot themselves in the foot with, with how they go about evaluating talent this year. As evident, once again, with the Justin Fields thing, whether it's somebody who's BSing around and not telling things the way that they are, or it's somebody who actually believes that crap about Justin Fields and who is going to have him lower on their on their draft board and is going to freaking... You know, draft a guy like Trey Lance over Justin Fields. Regardless, people are going to screw up. People are going to lose. Not lose. People, I'm tired. My brain is shattered. It's like regardless, people are going to freaking screw this thing up. People are going to find ways of letting top-tier talent go and fall. And I think Kyle Pitts could be one of those top-tier talents that could fall. I think maybe even Pania Sewell. I think definitely Rashawn Slater is going to be there around 8, 9, 10. Obviously, Patrick Sertain. 
but I am very tired. I want to go to sleep. Congratulations to Baylor, by the way. Big shout out to Baylor for absolutely destroying Gonzaga. I could essentially put the game on in the background at essentially during the first quarter. I was like, this doesn't look good for Gonzaga. They almost lost by 20 points today. Shout out to Baylor. Shout out to Arizona. Ari McDonald struggled against Stanford. Got to work on getting her the ball in the perimeter, man, because she's an awesome three-baller, three-point shot uh, uh, shooter. Excuse me. Also, shout out Big Haley Jones, six foot one, Amazon goddess. Big shout out to Stanford. Even though I wanted Arizona to win, Stanford fucking got the upper hand. Big shout out to Arizona. Anyways, this has been Twenty Fourth Podcast. I'm very tired. Very tired. I will see you tomorrow. I don't even know how to end this podcast. I'll see you tomorrow for whatever we're going to be talking about. I don't I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm exhausted. Peace out. I'm out. Tomorrow's podcast. Blah, blah, blah.